The text for our sermon this morning is from the Old Testament reading from the book of Ruth. And in particular, Ruth's reply to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many people wonder and ask, why is the book of Ruth even in the Bible? There's almost no mention of God. Of course, Jesus by name isn't mentioned. So why include this book in the Bible? The people in the book, it's not exactly a nice story. In Bethlehem, which means house of bread, there's a famine. God's people are starving. And then when they move to try to find bread, away from the house of bread, well, they face poverty, sickness, and even death. The patriarch and both sons die. What a motivating story. What great encouragement for God's people. Well, many think that the book of Ruth is included in the Bible to teach us that good deeds will be rewarded. That Ruth, who is finally chosen by Boaz when, when they return to, to Judah, that uh, she took care of Naomi and this was her reward. Be faithful to your family. Family connections are most important. Others think that the book of Ruth is about being repaid for taking care of the needy, those who are in need. Moralists, they teach that the book of Ruth is about dedication. It's about friendship. In fact, that's what the name Ruth means in Hebrew, friend. However, we will see that Ruth teaches us about Jesus. That Jesus himself says that the Old Testament is a testimony to him in his life. So first and foremost, the story of Ruth teaches us about Jesus. But we can also glean a couple other part, bits of wisdom from the book of Ruth. Uh, in addition to teaching us about Jesus, the story of Ruth teaches us about Jesus' lineage. Ruth is Jesus' great, great, great Great, 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 uh, great to the power of 26. Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother. The book of Ruth teaches us about Jesus' lineage. This is part of the reason why in the Old Testament you have all those genealogies in the Bible. Such and such begat such and such, such and such, and, and it follows the genealogy because God prepared his people all the way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3 that a child would be born, a son would be born that would be the king of God's people and would defeat the devil. So God's people kept track of family genealogy, keep, keeping a lookout for the Messiah. The fact that God's son would be born of a woman is not a surprise. It's not strange that the people would want to follow genealogies. It, isn't, it wasn't unique to God's people to think that a king would be born in a usual way from a woman. In fact, the wise men knew this, did they not? Herod 
the supposed king of Judah when Jesus was born, he knew this too because when both of these groups heard that the, a king was born, none of them said, oh, well, that's not how the Bible's supposed to go. None of them said, that's not believable. It's not possible that a Messiah would be born of a woman. None of them said that when they heard that a king, a unique king, who fulfilled all of Scripture was born. The book of Ruth, it not only traces Jesus' lineage, but it also shows something important about Jesus' family lineage. That Jesus is not born of pure Jewish blood. You heard in our reading today that, that Ruth and Orpah were from Moab. They were not Jews. Surely people expected that Jesus would be born of Jewish descent, but Jesus is not just a savior for the Jews. The book of Ruth shows us that Jesus came for all people. That the blood that he poured out on the cross was for all ethnicities, all family lineages, and especially for those who are foreign to God, meaning us sinners. But finally, and where we're going to spend our time today, is how the, the story of Ruth teaches us about Jesus. And this is why we rejoice at having the book of Ruth in the Bible. Now, as I mentioned, most people think it's a story of dedication and friendship. And certainly, we can glean that wisdom from it, and it is important. However, there's much more at play with who Ruth is. The gospel reading, believe it or not, helps us out a little bit. The book of Ruth has to do with Naomi when she tells her daughters-in-law. There's one particular passage in here that sort of clues us in, and it relates to our New Testament gospel, like I mentioned. She says to her daughters-in-law, may you find a true resting place. Now, if, if we heard it in Hebrew, it, it would be, may you find true Sabbath. And she says, in your husband's home. Now, no one would have faulted Ruth for going back to her homeland. There was security. There was her home place. She knew it well. Her extended family was there. However, one thing was missing from Moab, Naomi. Naomi and and what her family believed about the God of Israel. And, and this Ruth learned. While being married to an Israelite, she learned about the God of Israel. And she was certainly taught about the importance of the Sabbath, about Bethlehem, about Judah, and being in, with God's people. And can you imagine the Sabbath that Naomi... Ruth and Orpah now wanted. Imagine the years or the struggles. We're not sure how long they were sick, but dad died. Both husbands died. What could these women do to support themselves? Would they be able to make a living? No, what they saw before them if they went back to Judah was a life of labor. I'm sorry back to Moab. They would find a life of labor. 
if they didn't find husbands. They would find nothing but work and nothing. Orpah, she knows the odds are better for her to go back to Moab. She does what any of us would do. She goes to where her chances for success and survival are the best. And if you think about it, there is a little bit of a lesson in this for us Christians. That sometimes as a Christian, going and doing the thing that you benefit the most from perhaps is not the way we should go. Going to where your chances are best for success in life are not always going to line up with your Christian faith. Going to where your chances are best for success in life is not always where we maybe should go. I mean, when it, when it comes to sinful behavior like our pride, right? We are not called to go to the land of gossip or selfishness and jealousy. Even if we think it's going to build ourselves up, even if we can make ourselves look better at the expense of others, that's not a place we should go. Or even if in a job, if, if you're going to receive a promotion, but it maybe requires you to do something unethical or something that makes you question if, if this is really what is being faithful to God looks like, then maybe you shouldn't strive after success in that way. And how about relationships with one another? I said the book of Ruth isn't primarily about relationships, but there is some wisdom. So oftentimes when we look at relationships with other people, our first question is, what can that person give to me? I mean, you know the sayings about friendship, right? Like, don't buy a truck, right? But make friends with someone who does have one. Our world looks at relationships in that way, only from the perspective of what can I gain from this person. However, consider what Ruth saw in Naomi. There was no hope for her to gain anything from being with Naomi. Would, would she find a husband in, in Judah? Because remember, the, the Jews were not allowed to marry outside of Israel. In going with Naomi, Ruth would have certainly had a life of poverty and hard work. Now consider this with Christ. Consider the story of Ruth a picture of Jesus. What does Jesus have to gain by dying for you? What does Jesus have to gain, let's think, of, of, of Christ leaving heaven, being in fellowship with the Father, coming to earth to die a miserable death, a life of labor, a life who stands on his own, Our relationships here in church and with those we're around in our vocations, we should ask ourselves, what can I do for this person? What can I do for those that God has placed in my life? What can this person gain from me to help them be faithful to Christ? What has God given me in my life? 
We do this, we should do this, in our vocations, in our church, with our friends, and also in our families. Husbands and wives, one for each other. Single folks for their families, but also children. You also should ask yourself what you as a child can do to help your parents and your brothers and sisters to stay faithful to Christ. We are indeed like Elimelech. We are, we are like Kilion and Nahalon. We're, we're sick and ailing because of our sins. Because so often we, we leave the world of comfort and we go to where we think we have the most success. But Ruth, she does something foolish. Ruth, which remember in Hebrew means friend, she doesn't go to where her odds of survival are the best. Ruth goes to where her survival odds are not odds at all, but Ruth goes to where she finds perfect odds. Ruth goes to where she can find eternal life. She goes to where true Sabbath is found. You heard her say that, with where the true God is found, to the land where the Messiah was promised to come, to be united by faith with God's people in Israel. True rest for Ruth was to be found to be with people who are united by faith for the hope that is to come. Ruth knew what Sabbath meant. She knew the point of the Sabbath. She learned it from her husband and father and mother-in-law. Go to where you will find true rest. Go where the bride is taken care of by her husband. In the gospel, Jesus tells the lepers this very same thing. The lepers were like Orpah and Ruth without any hope, no place to go. Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. All the lepers, they go to where they think their greatest success will be. Go back to the priests. But only one of them goes to where true Sabbath was found. The true priest, Jesus. He was the fulfillment, the pinnacle of all the other priests that served in the Old Testament. And the foreigner, like Ruth, knew where to go. The parallels in the gospel in the Old Testament reading teach us, where do you find true rest? Where do you find a true friend? Where do you find your identity? And of course, that's in Jesus. In our sin, if I can quote one of my great friends, a former member here who's in the church triumphant, Ron Garrison, Whenever Ron would come to Bible study and either Ruth Bope or Ruth Carroll wasn't there, Ron would say, oh, we are ruthless today. And he would say it for the hundredth time and I would laugh. In sin, we are literally ruthless. We have no friends. In fact, St. Paul says it's worse with God. It's not that we are friendless, but we are enemies. We are foreign to God, dead in sin. And how often do we go back to these foreign lands? How often do we go back to find our identity 
where our odds are best for survival. Maybe we hold on to our sins. We try to hide them. No, repent. Confess them. Don't look to just survive with your sins. Go to where you find eternal life. Don't excuse your sins. Don't accommodate. Repent. Because our sinful nature, it likes to find the best odds for survival when it comes to sin, to hide our sin, excuse our sin. Everyone else is doing it because we think that's how we're going to survive. But the devil is tricking you and leading you to death. In a strange turn of events, Jesus doesn't choose what's best for his odds of survival. God himself comes to make us his friends. Christ comes so he may go to the most unfriendly place imaginable, the cross. There where where he is left alone, he dies to answer for your sins. He is starved of his honor and royalty. He comes to a foreign place. He was in this world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So indeed, we we may feel like this family sometimes in a famine, famine of time, of health, hope, or, or even money. But this doesn't mean you have no identity. This doesn't mean we have to go wandering off looking in foreign lands where our survival, our odds for survival are the best. Jesus God's word says that his power is made perfect in weakness. We are taught when we are weak, that's when we are strong. So when you doubt God, return to him. Go to his son, Jesus Christ, where eternal life is guaranteed. Remember your baptism where he made you part of his people, where he promised you eternal life. Run to the Lord's Supper because, remember, Bethlehem meant house of bread. The Lord's Supper is our Bethlehem, and there is never a famine of forgiveness. Ruth and Naomi, they teach us about Jesus and what he's done. We're to have the same object of faith that Ruth and Naomi does. Their great, 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 grandson, Jesus. In John 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is what Jesus has done for you. And he continues, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. And for all that I've heard from my Father, i made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. So as Ruth pledges herself to Naomi, Christ pledges himself to you. Where I go, you will go. Where I lodge, you will lodge. My people shall be your people. My God shall be your God. But it changes when it comes to death. In my death, you have died. And as I have risen, you too shall rise.
May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.